Behind the Herald Headlines with Darren Mann. Behind the Herald Headlines today, chatting with Pabecha attorney Kuban Chetty. As five men accused of killing nine people and wounding another were brought to court this week under heavy police guard, it emerged that at least three of them were out on bail at the time of the shootings on unrelated murder charges. Questions being asked in the court of public opinion, where is the consistency when it comes to the courts granting bail and how the amount that bail is determined? Cuban, good morning. Thanks for your time. Would you be able to share some of the factors that come into play in a situation involving bail? Sure, Darren. Uh, morning. Thanks for having me. Uh, Darren, with bail, yes, there seems to be some sort of inconsistency as far as the late person will be concerned. Uh, it's because the magistrate granting bail has a discretion when they actually grant bail. Um, you mentioned the murder charges. Murder falls into categories. You get a Schedule 5 and you get a Schedule 6 bail application. Now, if it's just a murder, um, one person and one person, not premeditated or planned and not committed by a group of people with a common purpose, then it will be Schedule 5. Now, the, the test on Schedule 5 is whether it is in the interest of justice that a person be released on bail. Uh, Schedule 6, there must be some sort of exceptional circumstances that warrant the release of a person on bail. Now, that's where it becomes tricky because exceptional circumstances, case law there dictates that there's no such confined list um, of exceptional circumstances. It goes case by case. Um, So in exceptional circumstances, for example, can be terminal illness or um, you know, factors surrounding that. And it's, it's kind of difficult. So one has to argue the case on its own merits and, um, and, and, and see where you get in, in court itself. Now, as far as the amount is concerned, um, obviously if you get a person earning 10,000 rand a month and you set bail at a million rand, that's disproportionate to his earning and it's tantamount to saying, well, you know what, you're going to stay in custody. I'm granting bail just for the purpose of it. Um, so it's actually easy in, in relation to his earnings. It's different to the States, well, even overseas, where the guys put up their houses and you, you normally see that in TV and they put up a bond. Um, it's, it's not that situation here. So you'll get a person committing, well, well alleged fraud of about 20 million, and he'll be out in bail of 50,000, which might seem disproportionate also. But as I said, it just goes in the facts of the case and what the state can prove and the defense can prove once you're in court. And um, that's pretty much how it is here. It's a very informal process. It's not like your trials um, in civil proceedings or criminal proceedings. In bail applications, it's more informal. Hearsay evidence is allowed. And uh, it's it's, it's more sort of an application. It's a quasi-criminal and civil together. That's why it's called a bail application. Now, Kiban, crimes like murder and also rape, we often seem to be reading about these in the paper and someone is on bail for a previous rape or a previous murder. Don't those get taken into account? Yes, it does. So that's what pushes up the schedule. For example, you'll get a schedule five. And uh, if a person had a previous murder or previous rape, then it bumps it up to a schedule six where the test becomes more difficult. Um, But yes, that definitely gets taken into account. Um, but you do see people with previous offences being released on bail. And as I said, it depends on the circumstances of the case. You'll remember there's a case years ago, uh, the State versus Carmichael, where a person was released on, on, on bail. I think it was a rape case. And um, 
then they were released again on bail um, on the rape and they, and they went on to commit a rape and they actually had a, a claim against the state and they were successful with that claim now basically there it's, it's the, the state had an onus of protecting its community and uh, taking into account the circumstances of the of the offender and by granting the person bail um, you, you basically put the community at risk and that's where the civil claim comes in. So there's, there's different remedies that one can go. However, the, the, the test is, is going to be dependent on each case. But yes, they do take into account the previous convictions. They do take that into account. I must say with Schedule 6, um, the amount of people that get bail in Schedule 6 as opposed to Schedule 5, there is a, a huge disparity. Um, I would say that a lot of Schedule 6 offenders don't get bail. The, the other factor, Darren, is whether the state opposes bail. Now, you might have a situation where um, person's charged with murder, person's charged with rape or, or some serious crime, and the state is not opposing bail because it doesn't deem the person as a flight risk. Um, that itself is an exceptional factor. It's an exceptional circumstance. So when we argue to court, we say, well, the fact that the state is not opposing bail is exceptional. And that satisfies part of that test. A subjective assessment often seems to be what is being relied on. One magistrate or judge will differ from another. Have you found that? Yes, yes, totally. Give us an idea what the main factors are for Schedule 5 and what some of those offences are. You said Schedule 6. It's much more difficult. Yes. Yeah, it's much more For example, you'll get a murder, a one-on-one, um, a rape of an adult. Um, again, th- those type of offences will fall under Schedule 5. And then you'll get, and, and for example, if you've got assault GBH, but you've got a previous offence of assault GBH, it bumps it up to five, because then it becomes one. It becomes very technical with the offences. Um, schedule six, for example, would be armed robbery. That means robbery with a firearm. Uh, it will be uh, premeditated murder, where the murder was planned. Um, it would be murder by a group of people, where more than two or more people committed the murder. Um, gang rape and a rape of a minor, for example, would all fall under Schedule 6. Kuban, in a situation like these um, people who are accused of the shootings in this past week, who were out on bail before, can one assume automatically that bail won't be granted when they come before the court for these offences, or would it still be starting from fresh? Well, because they've been, um, they've got previous offences, and it's, if it's similar offences, the same type of, and one will look at the time period also when they were um, charged with those previous offences, and how far in the, in the state it is. Then one looks at the bail conditions because it can work both ways. For example, you get someone that's got a clean record, how do you guarantee that he will come back to court? Because remember, bail is securing the attendance of, a, of an accused at court. Now he's got a previous offence, and they said, oh, well, listen, he's attended court on, on 15 different appearances. He hasn't absconded. Um, so you will attend court. So, you know, it's kind of weird, but it, it sort of helps the accused in the sense to show that he's got a track record of attendance at court. Wow. That's the only positive. However, um, when one looks at the same type of crime, the same type of offense, and you're committing it in the same type of circumstances, then he's got a propensity to do it again. And should one release him on bail, then you can be kind of assured that he's going to do it again. Um, then you have the state witnesses because, I mean, if he's got a propensity to violence, will he leave the state witnesses alone? Because there's, there's something in bail that 
um, Section 60, Subsection 4, being technical now, but I mean, th- that's basically what one has to prove when when one looks at bail. And, and that's whether, um, you know, whether the accused will abscond, whether he'll interfere with witnesses, whether he'll tamper or destroy evidence, and those type of things. But I mean, that's, that's basically an affidavit that one has to make. And that's the difference between Schedule 5 and 6, as opposed to the other schedules, is because you have to give evidence under oath. You can't just stand there and say, well, okay, this guy should get bailed. He has to give his evidence under oath to say that I so-and-so confirm my address, my employment, um, my status, marital status, and whether I will abscond from court, um, uh, where will I attend all my court appearances, will I dis- destroy evidence, will I interfere or intimidate witnesses, um, those type of things. So if there's anything proved, then there's a further charge of perjury because he lied under oath. But that's where the state comes in, and the, the state will have, by law, the state has seven days, and they can request seven days. So say, for example, they come to court on the first appearance and demand bail, and say, well, listen, we earn before court, we want bail, and that's it. Um, the state has, by law, say, well, okay, we need to investigate, and we need seven days, a minimum of seven days. Um, to investigate. And then the case gets postponed and that's when the investigating officer will check the, the person's address. That he has a fixed address. Check the neighbours, check the family members, check his surroundings. And then the guy comes to court armed with all the information to oppose bail. Now, Kiban, we live in a country and in a province where unemployment is a heck of a problem. Many people aren't employed. If we're looking at what someone earns in determining the amount of bail... What do they do in a situation where someone is unemployed? Are they automatically denied bail, or is there a certain threshold? No, no. Once again, it's the discretion. Because remember, if someone is unemployed and you set a bail figure of 10,000 rand, that's tantamount to refusal of bail. You understand? So you're basically saying that. So you, you take a person's earnings into account, you look at, well, okay, fine. Can his family provide the bail amount? Because there has to be some sort of security where the person comes to court. And then you, you will see in, in many occasions, and I mean, our firm has done this many times, or received this, where you get bail for murder for 500 rand uh, or a thousand bucks, and the guy's released on bail. And if the family can't come up with the money, you come to court in a week's time or something and you tell the magistrate, well, listen, um, he clearly can't raise the money, so he asks for the bail to be reduced. And then if there's no opposition by the state, then the bail gets, the bail amount gets reduced. We certainly appreciate you joining us today and sharing some of the criminal justice procedure in our country, particularly when it comes to bail. Kiban Chetty, have a good day. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Sam. Have a good day also. That was today's edition of Behind the Herald Headlines with Darren Mann.